السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته نحمده ونصلي على رسوله الكريم أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم فبشرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل العبدة من لساني يبقه قولي ربنا زدنا علما اللهم صلي وسلم على نبينا محمد Last time we learned about the precise locations where the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم He prayed and Ibn Umar anhu, in the footsteps of the Prophet ﷺ, what did he do? Whenever he passed by any of those places, he prayed exactly on those spots, whether it was under a tree or by a certain dry riverbed or whatever it was, he went exactly where the Prophet ﷺ prayed and he made sure that he performed salah over there. Even though the people had built a masjid nearby, but still he would not pray inside the masjid, Why? Because that is not where the Prophet ﷺ prayed. Now, we see that only Ibn Umar who did this. And the rest of the companions, they did not do it. They did not strive to perform salah exactly on that same spot. And we see that Umar who his father did not do it. Abu Bakr who he did not do it. So, how come Ibn Umar did it? And how come the other greater companions, they did not attach so much importance to this? How come? Because the majority of the companions, in fact all of them except for Ibn Umar, they didn't consider it to be necessary to pray on those precise locations. Because there were some actions that the Prophet ﷺ did and they were part of the Sharia. And this means that we have to do them. We have to follow them. If the Prophet ﷺ performed tawaf in a particular way, he put on the ihram at a particular place. And he did it in a way that the rest of the people saw him. Or he made sure that the people saw. Or if they didn't see, he commanded them. So that action of his became part of the Sharia. And there were some other actions that he performed, being a human being, and they were not meant to be part of the Sharia. Alright? So these actions were what? Ittifaq, meaning they were coincidental. So for example, if he prayed under a tree, It wasn't because praying under that tree was necessary. It was just because that happened by chance. He wanted to pray in a suitable place, and that is the place that he found to be most suitable, most appropriate, so he chose to pray over there. And if it was necessary for people to pray on that exact spot, then he would have informed the people. So praying on those exact locations, you cannot say that it is sunnah to do that. Because then it may lead to innovations because then people go to such places in order to seek barakah from there but we see that ibn umar when he prayed on those locations it wasn't to seek barakah from those locations it was out of love for the prophet ﷺ in order to earn more reward from allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because when an action is done with more love with more eagerness to follow the prophet ﷺ, there is chances that the reward will be increased it will be more so remember that going to any masjid going to any place of prayer, whether it is Masjid al-Haram or it is Masjid al-Nabawi, any masjid or any place where the Prophet ﷺ performed prayer outside of those masajid, if a person prays over there, it should not be with the intention to seek barakah. Okay? It should not be for tabarruk, rather it should be for hope of increased reward. Because that is what Ibn Umar anhu did. And when the rest of the companions do not do that, it shows that it is not necessary. And besides, we see that Those places, they changed so much. Just a few years after the Prophet ﷺ. So that in itself is an evidence that praying on those spots is not necessary. Because if it was necessary, those places would have been preserved. 
they would have been preserved. So the fact that they were lost, like we learned in these hadith only, that those places changed over time. Next is Abwab Sutratul Musalli. Abwab, the chapters concerning Sutratul Musalli, the sutra of the one who prays. What is sutra? Literally means a shield, a screen, a cover, because it's from satr. What is satr? To conceal. So a sutra is basically a barrier between the musalli and others. A barrier between the musalli, the one who's performing salah, and others who are in front of him or who may need to pass from in front of him while he is performing the salah. So this is what a sutra is. Because sometimes you may be performing salah in the masjid and someone might be sitting in front of you, all right? Or someone might have to pass from in front of you. So what is necessary? That there should be a barrier between you and them. So that barrier is what? Is sutra. Because if that barrier is not there, their passing by will interfere in your salah. And according to some, in fact, it will invalidate your prayer. And it's also a sin for the person who passes from before the one who is praying. It's a major sin. Inshallah we will learn. It's a very serious crime to pass from in front of someone who is performing salah. So therefore it is necessary to place a sutra in front of yourself when you are performing the prayer. Now when it comes to sutra, some scholars considered placing the sutra to be wajib, to be mandatory. They say it is fad. So it is not allowed for a person to pray in an open place, according to them. So either face a wall or face a pillar and if there is nothing in front of you, you have to put something. And they took their evidences from several ahadiths in which we see that the Prophet ﷺ, he either faced a wall or a pillar or he put something in front of himself. So they said based on this, it is necessary for the musalli to have a sutra before him when he performs salah. However, other scholars considered it to be mustahab, to be preferable. Because it is not always possible to have a sutra in front of you. You might not have something with you that you can make as a sutra. And if you go to a masjid and you want to pray facing the wall or you want to pray facing a pillar, those places might already be occupied. So then what are you going to do? Not pray? You have to pray. Or you're going to wait until somebody else finishes the prayer and then you're going to take their spot? No, it's going to be very difficult. So... What we learn is that it is ideal, it is best to have the sutra in front of you. And when it is not possible, it is not available, then there is no sin. However, in that case, what should be done? The people who do have to pass from in front of the person, they should pay attention. They should either walk from behind him, or there should be a reasonable distance between the musalli and the place that they are passing by. Inshallah, we will discuss that. In a hadith, we learn... The Prophet ﷺ said, if any of you wish to perform salah, then he must perform it towards a sutra. And he should draw close to it. In another hadith we learned, do not perform salah except that there is a sutra in front of you. And this should be given more importance when a person is in a place from where people are constantly passing by. So that his salah does not become a source of difficulty for other people. Because many times it happens that if we are in a masjid performing salah, and somebody has to pass by, they're stuck. Right? We may have experienced it ourselves that we are stuck, we can't go. Or someone else is stuck because of us. So let's make it easy for ourselves and for others and give importance to the sunnah. You see, some scholars said it is wajib. Other scholars said it is mustahab. So in either case, it is good to have a sutra before you. 
باب سترة الامام سترة من خلفه سترة of امام is the sutra of the one who is behind him what does this mean that if during salah the sutra is only before the imam then that would count as sutra for all the people who are praying behind him even if they may be thousands in number so if the imam he is praying and right in front of him there is sutra there's thousands of people behind him that one sutra is enough for all of them so if let's say among those thousands of people one person let's say he breaks his wudu so he needs to go to perform wudu again so will he just stay sitting over there wait for the salah to end and then go no he can walk from between the rows even he can walk from between the rows even why because the sutra of the imam is sufficient for the people who are following him yeah obviously when they are following the imam okay meaning when they are praying in jamaa once the jamaa is over then the sutra of the imam is not enough Okay, this is only for the time of Jamar, whether that is Fard or Nafal or whatever that it may be. But remember, this is only the case of Sutra. It doesn't mean that the wudu of the Imam is sufficient okay, for the people who are praying behind him. No. This is only in the case of the Sutra. What's the Dalil? Haddathana Abdullah ibn Yusuf, Qala Akhbarana Malik, An ibn Shihabin, An Ubaidillah ibn Abdullah ibn Utbata, An Abdullah ibn Abbasin. Annahu Qal, Ibn Abbas Abdullah ibn Husad, أَقْبَلْتُ رَاكِبًا I came riding عَلَى حِمَارٍ أَتَانٍ On a donkey, meaning on a female donkey. وَأَنَا يَوْمَئِذٍ And I was that day, قَدْ نَاهَزْتُ I had neared, I was approaching الْإِحْتِلَامْ Puberty, meaning I had almost attained puberty that day. وَرَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ The Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم, he was يُصَلِّي He was praying the salah بِالنَّاسِ with the people. Where? بِمِنَا at Mina. So in other words, he was leading the people in prayer. And where were they? At Mina. And ila towards ghayri jidarin, no wall. Meaning there was no wall in front of the Prophet ﷺ. But we see that the habit of the Prophet ﷺ was what? That if there was no wall in front of him, he would put something like a spear or a stick or an arrow, something or the other in front of him as a sutra. Because he knew that there were so many people praying behind him. And it would be just so much more convenient if there was a sutra in front of him. فَمَرَرْتُ So I passed بَيْنَ يَدَيْ Before بَعْضِ الصَّفِّ Some part of a row. So in other words, he passed by a row. Meaning he passed from before them. So people are praying behind him and he passed in front of the row. فَنَزَلْتُ And then I came down, meaning from his donkey. وَأَرْسَلْتُ الْأَتَانَ تَفْتَعُ When I sent my donkey to graze. وَدَخَلْتُ فِي الصَّفِ And I entered the صَف فَلَمْ يُنْكِرْ ذَلِكَ So none objected to that on me, أَحَدٌ anyone Meaning no one objected to this action of mine. Which action? That he passed from before a row, in front of a row, while the people were praying, and then he joined the row. So what does this show? That the Prophet ﷺ, he must have had a sutra in front of him because otherwise Ibn Abbas would not have passed. Right? Because this was the Prophet Wasallam's usual habit. And when Ibn Abbas passed by some people who were praying, Ba'd al-Saf, what does that show? That even though they didn't have a sutra in front of them, the Imam's sutra was enough for them. The Imam's sutra sufficed for them. حدثنا إسحاق قال حدثنا عبد الله بن نميرن قال حدثنا عبيد الله عن نافع عن ابن عمر 
أَنَّ رَسُولَ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ That the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم كان he used to إِذَا خَرَجَ when he would go out يَوْمَ الْعِيدِ on the day of Eid أَمَرَ he would order بِالْحَرْبَةِ with a spear meaning he would instruct that a spear would be brought and فَتُوضَعُ it would be placed بَيْنَ يَدَيْهِ in front of him فَيُصَلِّ إِلَيْهَا Then he would pray towards it, meaning facing it. That would be his sutra. وَالنَّاسُ And the people وَرَاءَهُ behind him. وَكَانَ يَفْعَلُ ذَلِكَ And he would do that فِي السَّفَرِ In his journeys as well. فَمِن So from ثَمَّ there اِتَّخَذَهَا He took it الْأُمَرَاء The leaders. Meaning the leaders after the Prophet ﷺ, they also adopted this manner. That whenever they were traveling or whenever they were amongst the people, and they would lead them in salah, what would they do? They would put something in front of them as a sutra. What do we see in this hadith? That the Prophet ﷺ, when he would go out for Eid prayers, because Eid prayer, the sunnah is to perform it where? In an open place. And the sunnah for the people of Medina is to pray Salatul Eid where? In the masjid? Masjid al-Nabwi? No. So if you happen to be in Medina at the time of Eid, what is sunnah? To perform Eid salah where? in some open place outside the city of Medina. And there are places where Salatul Eid is performed. Okay, that is sunnah. But sometimes people prefer to pray in the masjid because the reward is more. However, you have to see that it is best to follow the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ. And sunnah means, following means, ittibar means, sometimes doing certain things and sometimes leaving certain things. So anyway, what was the habit of the Prophet ﷺ? That when he would go to pray Salatul Eid over there, or even when he was traveling, he would pray Salah outside, then obviously he was not in a masjid. And that meant that there was no wall before him. And in that case, what would he do? He would order a harba to be placed in front of him. What is harba? A spear. And this was the habit of the leaders who came afterwards as well. And this shows that even today, if any person is leading others in Salah, then they should also have a sutra before them. Just because it is more convenient for the people who are behind them. حدثنا أبو الوليد قال حدثنا شعبة عن عون بن أبي جحيفة قال he said سمعت أبي he said I heard my father أن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم that the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم صلى بهم he performed salah with them where بالبطحاء at بطحاء where is بطحاء in مكة okay بطحاء is in مكة so he performed the salah with them in Batha وَبَيْنَ يَدَيْهِ anaza, And before him was an anaza. What is anaza? A short spear. And he performed which prayers? الظُّهْرَ rakatain, Zuhr salah, two rak'ah. وَالْعَصْرَ rakatain, And asr, two rak'ah. In other words, he shortened them and he also joined them. Qasr and Jama. Why? Because he was traveling, he was visiting Makkah. And while he was praying salah, what happened? Tamurru, it was passing, Baina yadayhi, from before him, Al-Mar'atu, women, Wal-Himar, and also animals, donkeys. Meaning, there was a sutra in front of him, and behind the sutra, people were going back and forth constantly, and not just people, but their animals also. Al-Mar'atu, Wal-Himar, women and the donkeys. Doesn't mean that they're equal. That the sutra was in front of the Prophet ﷺ, and everybody could pass by easily. Okay, it was so convenient for everyone. And this hadith, we have studied this earlier in more detail. Uh, this happened in Hajjatul Wada. 
And there are parts of this hadith that we have read earlier. One part which indicated the Prophet ﷺ was wearing that red shawl. Another part that we read indicated that the people used his wudu water. They were wiping it over themselves. And here I'd like to mention a point that many times in hadith books you will find that a hadith is not mentioned in its entirety. Rather only a part of it, okay, a chunk of it, the relevant portion of it, the muhaddithin would record in a certain place. Why? Because if they would mention the entire hadith, that would be very long. So only the part that was relevant, they would select that from it. And they would mention it under the bab, under the chapter heading, the point that they were proving. So this is why it is necessary that where one hadith is studied, other hadith which are similar to it are also studied because that will give you a complete understanding of that incident or whatever is being described. That if you think about it, placing a sutra in front of yourself when you're praying, it can save you from so many problems and it can save other people from so many problems as well. So for example, if you have the sutra in front of you, somebody passes by in a rush, no problem. Because you have a sutra in front of you. You won't be upset with them afterwards, nor would they be yelled at and humiliated publicly, right? Nor would they feel bad about it because, you know, sometimes it happens accidentally also. So, really, it is the ease that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us over here, right? This is the ease of our deen that make life easy for yourself and for others. No, between you and the sutra, that is not correct. Somebody should not pass. Someone passing, then you must stop them. You have to stop them. And if they insist, then you still have to stop them. As we will learn inshallah that it's a very serious matter about which a person should be very, very strict. And many times it happens that children, they are allowed to pass, right? Easily. Until they are one year old or one and a half year old, maximum two years old, it's understandable. But after that, children do understand and they should be taught. I remember my son was not that old and one of the shayukh was at Al-Huda and he was leading the salah. And my son passed from in front of him. I guess he wanted to go to the other side. He stopped him. Even a child, he stopped him. because. And from that day, he learned that I cannot pass in front of someone who is praying. Because you will see that many times it happens that when the mother is praying, that is when the children become extremely naughty. You know, That is when they start running around and they start making noise because shaitan comes after them. In hadith we learned that the one who passes in front of you is actually shaitan, trying to interrupt your prayer, trying to distract you from your salah. So sometimes children, literally, they are being pushed by the shaitan. So you have to stop children as well. You know, stop them once or twice and they will inshallah learn. That's a different case. Like I said, until they're one year old, two year old, it's understandable. But after that, they should be taught. Passing in front that is not appropriate. Running around you when you're praying salah, that is not appropriate. If you're praying behind the imam, and the imam has a sutra in front of him, whether that it's the wall or something else, then yes, if the children do pass from between the rows, it's okay. However, even that should be discouraged, because then children think it's a runway for them. And then they pick up somebody's cell phone and somebody's glasses, and they step on somebody's glasses and break them. Right? It has happened many times. Inshallah, we'll discuss that. Inshallah, we'll get to that. So in this hadith, we see that each person did not have a sutra before him. And the sutra of the Prophet ﷺ was sufficient for everyone. Bab qadri kam yambaghi an yakuna bayn al-musalli wa-sutrati. Qadri kam. How much? Yambaghi. It should be. Meaning it is appropriate. An yakuna. 
it should be meaning how much distance should there be how much distance is it necessary to have bayn al-musalli between the musalli wa sutra and the sutra so you understand that how much distance should there be between the person who is praying salah and the sutra that is in front of him in other words how far should you place the sutra or how close should you place the sutra so if there is a wall or a pillar and you want that to be a sutra for you so where should you pray what should be the distance between you and the pillar what should be the distance between you and your bag or a chair or whatever that you want to be the sutra حدثنا عمرو بن زرارة قال أخبرنا عبد العزيز بن أبي حازم عن أبيه عن سهل قال هساد كان بين مصلى رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم وبين الجدار ممر الشاتي كان there was بين between مصلى the prayer place of who of رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم وبين الجدار and between the wall so the distance between his prayer place and the wall was how much? Mamarru shati. Mamarru. Mamar is from marra, to pass by. So mamarru, the place of passing, the room of passing, of who? A shat, a sheep. Meaning a sheep could easily pass through that distance. So we see here that the wall was the sutra for the Prophet ﷺ. So between him, meaning the area that he occupied to perform salah. So in other words, his masjad. Masjid is what? The place of sajda. So between his masjid, the place of sajda, and the wall, meaning the sutra, was the distance of how much? Just enough that a sheep could pass through. Just enough that a sheep could pass through. So you understand? It's not where he is standing and the wall that a sheep could pass through because that would be very, very small. How can a person even do sajda over there? Because a sheep can pass through a very narrow space even. They can literally slip through from between very easily. So this is the distance between his masjad and the wall. So the place where you're doing sajda, so the place where you're putting your head, that place and the sutra. There should be a distance of how much? Just enough that a sheep can pass. And how much is that distance? It's not that big. So for example, three hand span. In front of yourself, make the distance of three hand span. So it's about, for me, it's about this much, three hand span. I think it's enough for a sheep to pass by. It's sufficient. Or for example, an, a four arms length. So this much is sufficient. Because you will find these words in books of hadith or in books of fiqh. So this is why I'm using these words, hand span or four arm. So this much is, this much space is sufficient. The Prophet ﷺ said with regards to the sutra that let him draw close to it. In Musnad Ahmad, that the person who is praying salah should draw close to the sutra. Meaning it should not be too far from you. Why should it not be too far from you? Because then you're occupying so much place. Right? So much space that you don't need. All you need is just a place to do sajda. And if you are not too close to the sutra, then you're making life difficult for other people. That if it's too far from you, it won't be seen easily by people. No, anyone who is praying salah and they wish to have a sutra in front of them, then this is the distance that they should be. Okay, Meaning this is best case scenario. It can be less, but not more than that. Like I said, it can be less than this, but not more than that. This is the maximum you can say. So this is the maximum, not more than that. So for example, if you put the sutra 
right in front of the place where you put your head. Is that permissible? Yes, it's okay. So for example, right where you do your sajda, you put your big bag. Okay, your bag is like your sutra. Is that okay? Yes. Even if your head touches the bag when you go down? Yes, it's fine. What this means is that this is the maximum. This is the farthest it can be from you. Okay? This is the farthest that the sutra can be from you. It should not be further than that. It can be closer, but not further than that. Can you place a sutra for someone else while they're praying? Yes, you can. Why not? If you need to pass by and you have something with you, you can put it in front of them, pass by and take your bag and move on. That, for example, you go to the masjid and there is, let's say, a divider between the men's area and the women's area. So the divider becomes your wall. Okay, You can use that as a sutra for yourself. So it's best to pray closest to that wall. Why? Because you have a sutra in front of you. Okay, Even though there's a lot of room behind you, but still you should pray closest to the sutra. Why? Because it will be easier for the people who come in after you. If there are pillars, face the pillar. Because sometimes you go to the masjid, it's empty. You want to pray your nafal. So make sure that you face the pillar or the wall or the divider. Or if you don't have that option, then put something in front of you so that it is easy for the people who come in after you. حدثنا المكي قال حدثنا يزيد بن أبي عبيد عن سلمة قال كان جدار المسجد عند المنبر ما كادت الشات تجوزها He said كان جدار المسجد The wall of the masjid was عند المنبر Near the minbar Meaning the wall of the masjid That was by the minbar So in other words the distance between the wall of the masjid and the minbar was how much? ما كادت As much as الشات تجوزها That a sheep could pass through it. Okay, meaning that was the distance between the member and the wall. That a sheep could pass through easily from there. So again, same words are being used. Okay. Why is the member mentioned? Because the Prophet ﷺ would sometimes perform salah on the member like we learned earlier. So that the people could see him and they could learn from the way that he was praying. And to do his sajda, he would come down on the ground. Now, what if there is no sutra in front of someone and you need to pass by in front of them and you don't have anything either and there is plenty of room in front of them, plenty of space in front of them. So how much distance should there be between the musalli okay, and you in order for you to safely pass from in front of them? Now, there are different views concerning this matter. Sheikh Ibn Baz, he said, when a person crosses an area which is not directly in front of the one who is praying and there is no sutra, then he is not sinning. I'll repeat. When a person crosses an area which is not directly in front of the one who is praying and there is no sutra, then he is not sinning. Because if he is far away from him, according to what is regarded as far away in local custom, then he is not regarded as one who passes in front of him. This is like one who passes beyond the sutra. So in other words, if there is enough of a distance between the person and you, and then that's okay. So for example, there is a distance of let's say two rows. It's enough. okay? Because then you are not passing from in front of him. There is plenty of space in front of him, and you are passing from beyond that, from behind that. Actually, some of the scholars said that the distance in this case is either three cubits away from where the worshipper is standing 
or the space that a sheep would need to pass in front of the worshipper when he prostrate. This is the distance prescribed for the sutra to be in front of the worshipper and this is the view of many scholars. So the distance of the sheep, okay, you can pass from behind that. So this is according to some other scholars. And others say that no, there is no specified distance. You really have to see that there is enough, plenty of room and you can pass. As long as that place is not directly in front of the musalli. Okay, in the sense that it's not right before him, there is enough distance. Maneuver around them, give the distance of one row or two rows to be safe, but there should be enough space of at least a sheep. That's minimum. Okay, because that's the minimum for sutra, so beyond that is safe for you to pass through. Bab as-salati ilal harbati. Praying facing a spear. So in other words, taking a harba, a spear, as a sutra, which means that the length or the height of a harba is okay as a sutra. It doesn't have to be very tall. In other words, a sutra doesn't have to be really tall. It can be something short as well. How short can it be? It can be as short as a spear. Now, the ulama, they have said that the height of the sutra should be at least one forearm. From the different narrations that we see, the different things that were used as sutra, the minimum length should be what? At least one forearm. So up to your elbow. Like the size of the rear end of a camel saddle. Inshallah, we'll get there as well. And when it comes to the width, there is no stipulated size, you can say. It can be as thin as an arrow, it can be as thin as a stick. It can be as thin as a spear. How wide do you think a spear would be? What is a spear? It's like a, basically a, a stick, okay, with a sharp knife or dagger or whatever at the end of it. Okay? So that is what a spear is. But if you think about it, how wide is it? Not that wide at all. It's just like a stick. So the width, it really doesn't matter. But the height, that matters. You should stand it up. You should stick it in, in the ground because that's what the Prophet ﷺ did as we will learn from the various reports. We learned that once the Prophet ﷺ performed salah with a spear and sometimes a bow in front of him. Okay, so even a bow, like a bow and arrow. Okay, so how thick is that? How wide is that? Hardly. But remember that in a situation where a person does not find anything the size of one forearm, then he or she can put whatever that is possible for him. Okay, so for example, you are in a very busy place, in a very busy masjid. People are constantly passing back and forth. You can't find a spot behind a wall or behind a pillar. And your bag is not that tall. So in this situation, what will you do? You will just put the bag. So that it will be easy for the people who are passing. They should take care as well. But at least you can concentrate in your prayer and you're not constantly worried that somebody might pass. حدثنا مسدد قال حدثنا يحيى عن عبيد الله أخبرني نافع عن عبد الله أن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم The Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم كان يركز له It would be put up for him. يركز It would be put up for him. الحربة A spear فيصلي إليها Then he would pray facing it. باب الصلاة إلى العنزة Performing the salah facing a short spear. So anaza is a short spear. It is said that a harba is called anaza when it is qasira, when it is shorter than that. 
So let's say there's like an axe with a really big, with a really long handle. And then there is a smaller spare with a shorter handle. Okay? So both can be taken as a sutra. حدثنا آدم قال حدثنا شعبة قال حدثنا عون بن أبي جحيفة قال سمعت أبي قال خرج علينا رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم بالهاجرة He said the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم He came out to us when بالهاجرة at midday فأتي بوضوء Then wudu water was brought to him فتوضأ Then he performed wudu فصلى بنا الظهر والعصر Then he performed salah with us Which one? ظهر and عصر وَبَيْنَ يَدَيْهِ And right before him was an anaza, a short spear. And وَالْمَرْأَةُ وَالْحِمَارُ يَمُرُّونَ مِنْ وَرَائِهَا Women and their donkeys, their animals, they were walking back and forth from behind it. Meaning, people were passing freely from behind the sutra. There wasn't even that much of a distance. But because the sutra was there, that's why they were passing by freely. So, we see that it gives you peace of mind and it gives other people peace of mind as well. حدثنا محمد بن حاتم ابن بزيع قال حدثنا شاذان عن شعبة عن عطاء ابن أبي ميمونة قال سمعت أنس بن مالك قال كان نبي صلى الله عليه وسلم إذا خرج لحاجته The Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم when he would go out for his need meaning to use the washroom تبعته أنا I would follow him أنا I myself وغلام and another boy meaning both of us would go along with him why? to assist him to find rocks for him, to give him water. وَمَعَنَا And with us would be Ukaza stick, a short one, small one. أو عصا or a staff. أو عَنَزَةٌ or a short spear. They would have one of these three things. Either a big staff or a stick or a short spear, whatever they could find. وَمَعَنَا And with us would be إِدَاوَةٌ Also a water container. فَإِذَا فَرَغَ مِنْ حَاجَتَهِ then when he would be done with his need, meaning he would use the washroom, نَاوَلْنَاهُ idawa. We would hand him the idawa, the water container, so that he could wash himself. So what do we learn over here? That the Prophet ﷺ, whenever he would go out anywhere, some companions, especially the young ones, they would follow him. Why? To assist him. And they would have with them one of these three things. A staff, a stick, or a spear. As well as water container. Why these three things? Why? There were different reasons. First of all, sometimes to dig the soil in order to soften it, because that is necessary if you're using the washroom outside somewhere, because otherwise if the ground is hard, the splashes would come on you. So this is why, in order to soften the ground. Or sometimes to take that as a barrier, because that would be erected in, in the ground, and on top, like you know, a cloth or something would be placed, so that it would become like a screen in order to have privacy. And also, to use as a sutra, if the Prophet ﷺ wished to pray, immediately after, using the washroom and doing wudu, then he would place that stick or staff or that anaza, whatever it was in front of him, as a sutra. So, these three things, what do they show to us? That the sutra can be very thin even. It doesn't have to be really big and wide. Bab as-sutrati bimakkata wa ghayriha. Sutra in Makkah, وَغَيْرِهَا and elsewhere. Meaning, whether you are in Makkah or you are somewhere else on the earth, you should have a sutra in front of you when there is a need to have that. In other words, there is no place that is exempt from sutra. Because some 
people, they thought that in Makkah, it is not necessary to have a sutra before you. Why? Because the Kaaba is in Makkah. So Makkah is the Qibla. So when you are in the Qibla, you don't need to have a sutra in front of you. Anyone can pass from before you. Even right in front of you. So for example, you're praying the salah, someone could pass right in front of you, even if they touch you, it's okay. That's what they said. Why? Because you are in Makkah. Makkah is Qibla. And when you're within the Qibla, then it doesn't make any difference. However, this is not correct according to the majority of the scholars. This is not correct according to the majority of the scholars. Why? Because there are evidences that show that the Prophet ﷺ, when he prayed in Makkah, he had a sutra in front of him. We just learned about the hadith of Batha, Ibn Abbas how he passed in front of the people. Right? Why? Because the sutra of the Imam was there. So, this shows that if the Prophet ﷺ, he had a sutra in front of him in Makkah, then everyone else should also have a sutra in front of them. If the Imam has it, that's sufficient in Jama'ah, but outside of the Jama'ah, it is not correct to pass by in front of someone who is praying. That we learn that the believer has more honor than the Kaaba itself. And we see that sins, they are multiplied in Makkah, in the sense that if a person commits a sin over there, it is far more serious than committing a sin elsewhere. So this is a serious matter. Because unfortunately it happens that when you go to the Haram, you will see that people pass in front of the Musalliyun very, very freely. Right? Without any problem. I remember the first time that I went there as a child, I was surprised, I was shocked that how come people are passing by without any hesitation? They don't even stop for a second. I mean, without any guilt, without any hesitation, without saying sorry, as if they have full right to do so. You know, if people are doing something wrong, you see at least a little bit of shame on their face. Nothing like that. As if it is perfectly normal. And, you know, if there is another option, like you can pass from behind the person, or you can pass by from a little further, no. They will still pass from right in front of the musalli. Why? Because they think in Makkah, it is okay to pass in front of the musalli. However, this is not correct. Because the rules are for all places, whether you are in Makkah or anywhere else. And some said that if a person is performing salah, in the area of tawaf, then others can pass by in front of him. No. Even then they should not. And the thing is that the one who is praying there should first of all not pray there. Why? Because the people who are doing tawaf, they have more right to that place. Why do they have more right to that place? Because he can perform salah anywhere in the masjid. But they can only perform tawaf in that place. And if they go farther, then their tawaf will take so long. If there is a distance between you and them, like we discussed earlier, a reasonable distance that you're not passing by right before them, or there is a distance of at least one sheep, then it's okay, inshallah. If it happens in ignorance that you don't know by mistake, then that's a different situation completely. But deliberately passing in front of someone who is praying salah, that is something that should be definitely avoided. Because there are scholars who have said it is permissible do not have sutra before you when you are in Makkah. However, the majority of the scholars have opposed this. They have opposed it because of many evidences that show that in Makkah also you should have a sutra. حدثنا سليمان بن حرب قال حدثنا شعبة عن الحكم عن أبي جحيفة قال he said خرج رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم بالهاجرة. The Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم he came out at the time of midday. فصلى بالبطحاء. 
Then he prayed salah at Badha. And Badha is in Mecca. Al-Zuhra wal-Asra, raka'atayn. Two raka'a each because Jamr and Qasr. وَنَصَبَ بَيْنَ يَدَيْهِ عَنَزَةً And he nasaba. What does nasaba mean? To? To fix, right? So he had fixed بَيْنَ يَدَيْهِ before him anaza, a short spear. وَتَوَضَّأَ and he performed wudu فَجَعَلَ النَّاسُ يَتَمَسَّحُونَ بِوَضُوئِهِ And the people began rubbing themselves with his wudu water. Now wudu is mentioned after his salah, obviously, because this is just someone talking about that incident. Wudu did take place before the salah. And, but don't think that there is a contradiction over here. The order is not correct. The Prophet ﷺ prayed without wudu. No, it's just that when you're talking, when you're describing an incident, many times it happens that you switch the sequence, the order. Because it, it's understood how the actual order was. So anyway, we see here the Prophet ﷺ prayed in Makkah. Badha is in Makkah. And he had a sutra in front of him. So if he had a sutra in front of him, others should also have a sutra before them. One thing that you can do is that if you ever happen to go for Umrah, for Hajj, and if you do have to pass by a place and somebody is praying, you know, your bag or whatever that you have, Put it in front of them and then pass by. Exactly. And then pick up your bag and move on. Even if you have to do that 20 times, it's worth it. And if somebody passes from before you, stop them. Inshallah, we will learn about that. It's necessary to stop the person who passes from before you. You can drag your bag as long as it's not going to hurt other people. Yeah, if you have a shawl, you can use that as a sutra. Bab as-salati ilal ustuwana. Performing the salah facing a pillar. Meaning, can a pillar, a pole, serve as a sutra? Now, a pillar, a pole can be very thin. Isn't it? can be very thin sometimes. So, yes, a sutra can be very thin also. وَقَالَ Umar And Umar anhu he said, المصلون, The people who are performing the salah, they are أَحَقُّ More deserving. They have more right. Over what? بِالسَّوَارِي to the pillars, meaning they're more entitled to the pillars, min than al-mutahaddithina, those who are talking, ilayha towards it. Meaning, there are some people who are sitting in the masjid, reclining against the pillars. And what are they doing? Talking. And then there are some other people who need to pray. And they need a sutra in front of them. And that sutra could be the pillar. So, who has more right to that pillar? The one who wishes to recline against it and talk? Or the one who wishes to pray facing it? The one who wishes to pray facing it. The musalli has more right. So, if you happen to go to the masjid, someone is just reclining against a pillar, you can ask them nicely. That sister, could you please move a little bit so that I could pray facing the pillar? You could ask them nicely. If they refuse, don't cause a fight. However, you can request them. Okay, If you request them, you're not making, you know, a request that you're not worthy of? No, you deserve that. So this was what Umar said. وَرَأَى عُمَرُ رَجُلًا And Umar saw a man. And this man was Yusalli, he was praying salah بَيْنَ أُسْطْوَانَتَيْنِ He was performing salah between two pillars. So there was a pillar on his right and a pillar on his left. He was praying between the pillars. So what did he do? فَأَدْنَاهُ So he moved him, meaning he drew him closer إِلَى سَارِيَةٍ Towards a pillar. فَقَالَ So he said, صَلِّ إِلَيْهَا Pray facing the pillar. So what did he do? He moved him. He moved him so that he could face the pillar in salah. So what does it show them? 
that it is better, it is necessary to have a sutra in front of you when you're praying in the masjid. Because imagine Umar who moved that person. And also remember that this teaches us that if you are, are praying in a particular direction or a place and somebody moves you so that you can join the row or you are facing the correct qibla, then don't be offended over it. Because Umar who did it. And if you have to move somebody as well, then you can do that, but nicely. And be careful because obviously this was Umar and Allahu Alam, he may have been Khalifa at that time. Or even if he wasn't Khalifa at that time, he was one of the great companions of the Prophet ﷺ. So him moving someone, it makes sense. But sometimes us ordinary people moving somebody, people might get very, very offended. So unless it is something very serious, okay, don't move people. But if it's serious, then move them. If we have a sutra in front of us, like if we're facing a pillar or something or the other, you know, the children, they will pick up on it. When my mom is praying, I can go from behind the pillar. Or I can go from behind the chair. Okay, Because inshallah they will also learn. And once they learn at home, they will practice in the masjid as well. Before moving someone, can you say something to them? Yes, you can. Because Umar he said, Salli ilayha. He said to the person who was praying, Salli ilayha. He moved him and he also told him, so this also teaches us one more thing. That if you ever happen to move someone, please tell them why you're moving them. Because otherwise they don't know what's going on. One person is moving them to the right, another person is moving them to the left. And then they're like, you know what? Don't move me. Don't touch me. And then people get very offended if someone touches them even slightly during their prayer. So make sure that you communicate with them. Tell them. And it's okay to tell them even when they're praying. Okay? Even when they're praying. Because that man was praying. Remember, if it's very, very urgent and important unavoidable, you have to tell them, then you don't need to tell them. You can say, okay, I'll go downstairs now. Not, mom, I'm going downstairs. No, she's talking to her Lord. right? So you can say out loud like we talk to ourselves whenever we're doing something. Okay, I'll go downstairs now. Instead of saying, mom, I'm going downstairs. Okay, I'm going downstairs now. Like you're talking to yourself. But yes, I mean, little things should definitely be avoided because... They're not worth disturbing somebody's prayer. But if it's something essential, something major, then uh, there's no haraj. In a state of emergency, in, inshallah we'll learn about that. حدثنا المكي بن إبراهيم قال حدثنا يزيد بن أبي عبيد قال كنت آتي مع سلمة بن الأكوع I came with سلمة بن الأكوع فيصلي عند الأسطوانة التي عند المصحف So he was praying near the pillar which was close to the Mus'haf. This was at the time of Uthman and the Mus'haf was placed in the masjid. Like today also, we have a shelf full of Mus'haf by a wall or a pillar or something like that. So he was praying towards the pillar that was close to the Mus'haf. So I said, Ya Aba Muslim. He said, Oh Abu Muslim. Abu Muslim was his kunya. Araka, I see you. Tataharra salata. Tataharra. You learned this word earlier. That you are very eager to pray salah near this very pillar. So they came and he was praying and facing that particular pillar. He said, how come I see you being very eager, keen to pray facing this pillar? I saw the Prophet ﷺ, he was eager to pray salah near it. So this is why I do the same thing. It is said that this pillar 
or inshallah in the following ahadith, the pillars that are mentioned, they were in the rawda. Because the Prophet ﷺ said, right, that that area, the masjid that is rawda min riyadh al-jannah. So this is why the companions were very eager to pray close to those pillars and also they would face the pillar in order to make that pillar as a sutra for themselves. حدثنا قبيصة قال حدثنا سفيان عن عمر بن عامر عن أنس قال he said لقد رأيت certainly I saw كبار أصحاب النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم the great companions of the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم and by the way كبار what makes a companion of the كبار okay those who attended Badr and okay the Ashram of Ashram also those who embraced Islam earlier those who embraced Islam earlier or those who were older in their age and they had spent a lot of time with the Prophet ﷺ. So they said that I saw great companions يَبْتَدِرُونَ السَّوَارِيَ They would hasten towards the pillars عِنْدَ المغرب, Meaning near, close to the time of Maghrib Salah. So at the time of Maghrib Salah, before the Adhan, what would they do? They would rush towards the pillars. If they wanted the spot close to the pillars or facing the pillar, وَزَادَ شُعْبَةُ عَنْ عَمْرٍ عَنْ أَنَسٍ حَتَّى يَخْرُجَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ Until the Prophet ﷺ came out. Meaning, when he was going to lead the Maghrib prayer. So before that, the companions would rush to, which spots? Those closer to the pillars. Especially if it was facing the pillars. So it shows that facing the pillar is correct. And in this hadith, what do we see? That the time of Maghrib. عند المغرب, it means عند أذان المغرب. Okay, near, close to the time of the Adhan of Maghrib, why did they want to be, rather why did they want to have a spot before even the Adhan was pronounced? Two raka'ah. Two raka'ah before Maghrib Salah. The Prophet ﷺ said, Sallu qabla al-Maghrib. He said this two times. Sallu qabla al-Maghrib. Perform Salah before Maghrib. And this was obviously after the Adhan, so after the sun had set completely. And before the fard was performed, before the jama'ah, he said, Sallu qabla al-maghrib. And he said this twice. And the third time he said, Liman sha'a, whoever wants. Because if he did not give that option, then it would be of sunnah ratiba, meaning of sunnah mu'akkida on us. Right? That we would have to pray two sunnah before maghrib and also two after maghrib. Well, obviously, as soon as the time entered, they would pronounce the adhan. And when the adhan is going on, then you should respond to the adhan. Yeah, but you should not be praying right at the time of sunset. As the sunset is happening, no. Right after the sunset, that's okay. So for example, you're at home. Obviously, you're not going to hear any adhan. The sunset has happened. You can pray to rakah and then perform your maghrib salah. So they did this in order to follow the instruction of the Prophet You can see that he was hinting how important it was to pray those two rakah. That could also be tahiyyatul masjid. باب الصلاة بين السواري في غير جماعة الصلاة performing صلاة بين السواري between the pillars في غير جماعة outside the جماعة صلاة so a person is praying individually he's not praying in جماعة can he stand between two pillars then and perform his صلاة because earlier we learned that a man was standing and Umar Abdullah what did he do he moved him to face the pillar. So, what if somebody is praying between the pillars and you don't move him? It's okay. It's permissible. Whether there is a sutra in front of him or there is no sutra, it doesn't matter. It is permissible to pray between 
pillars. Meaning, it's not necessary to face the pillar. You can even pray between the pillars. And fi ghayri jama'ah has been mentioned. Why? Because in jama'ah, you should not be praying between the pillars. It is makruh to do that. Why? Because as the saf will grow, what will happen? What will happen? It will be interrupted by the pillars. Okay? It will be interrupted by the pillars. It will be broken by the pillars. So you should not stand between the pillars because as other people will come and join you, they will be in difficulty. So in this case, what should you do? Either stand you know, a little before the pillars or a little behind the pillars so that the row can be continuous. The row is not broken. It is not interrupted because of the pillars. Okay? Remember that it is makruh to do that. If a person stands like this and the row is interrupted, it is makruh to do that. It is disliked. And it is only allowed to do this in a situation where there is really no space. Like the masjid is just full. And sometimes, you know, the hall as such, the pillars are going to be in the middle, in the way. You can't help but stand around them. And if you stand in front of them, then there isn't enough space for that stuff. And if you stand behind the pillars, then so much space is lost. So it happens sometimes on the 27th night in Ramadan, on the 29th night. So it may happen. So in this situation, it is permissible to form rows such that the pillars are also between the people in interrupting the rows. Why? Because then there is no option. But otherwise, when there is plenty of space, then it is makruh. حدثنا موسى بن إسماعيل قال حدثنا جويرية عن نافع عن ابن عمر قال he said دخل النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم البيت the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم entered the house which house the house of Allah the Kaaba وأسامة بن زيد and أسامة بن زيد وعثمان بن طلحة and عثمان بن طلحة وبلال and Bilal رضي الله عنه these three were with him أسامة بن زيد why was he with him no, Usama ibn Zayd. Who is he? Yes, he was a son of Zayd, radiallahu anhu. Someone who was very, very beloved to the Prophet So obviously the Prophet loved him, and he loved the Prophet so he went along with him. And Uthman bin Talha. Why? Because he had the key to the Kaaba. And Bilal radiallahu anhu. He was the Mu'addin. Hmm? So he took long Meaning when he went inside the Kaaba He took long Then he came out And remember that when he went in The door was closed So imagine People who are waiting outside Wondering what's happening Every second Is going to seem very long to them So Ibn Umar said Then he came out And I was The first of the people Who entered on his footsteps Meaning who? went inside the Kaaba after the Prophet sallallahu alaihi so I asked Bilal Aina Salah where did he pray? Qala he said Bainal Amudaini Al Muqaddamain between the two pillars, which two pillars? Al Muqaddamain, the front ones. So we see that the Prophet ﷺ, he prayed between two pillars. So it is permissible to pray between the pillars as long as it's not a saf. حدثنا عبد الله بن يوسف قال أخبرنا مالك عن نافع عن عبد الله بن عمر أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم دخل الكعبة He entered the Kaaba وأسامة بن زيد وبلال وعثمان بن طلحة الحجبي 
meaning they went along with him فَأَغْلَقَهَا عَلَيْهِ So he locked the door on him, meaning the door was locked, was closed after the Prophet ﷺ went in وَمَكَثَ فِيهَا And he remained inside there for some time. فَسَأَلْتُ بِلَالًا So I asked Bilal حِينَ خَرَجَ When he came out مَا صَنَعَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَمْ What did the Prophet ﷺ do inside? قَالَ He said جَعَلَ He made عَمُودًا عَنْ يَسَارِهِ Pillar on his left وَعَمُودًا And pillar عَنْ يَمِينِهِ On his right وَثَلَاثَةَ أَعْمِدَةٍ وَرَاءَهُ And three pillars were behind him وَكَانَ الْبَيْتُ يَوْمَ إِذٍ And the house of Allah that day عَلَى سِتَّةِ أَعْمِدَةٍ Was standing on six pillars ثُمَّ صَلَّى Then the Prophet ﷺ prayed there Meaning pillar on his right and left And three behind him وَقَالَ لَنَا إِسْمَعِيلُ حَدَّثَنِي مَالِكُ وَقَالَ عَمُودَيْنِ عَنْ يَمِينِهِ he said there were two pillars on his right when he was praying and one on his left. So the Prophet ﷺ prayed salah between pillars. And when he chose to pray between the front pillars, what does that show? That he was closer to the wall of the Kaaba. And that meant that he was taking that as a sutra. So even if you're inside the Kaaba, even if you're inside the haram, you should have a sutra in front of you. People should not pass in front of you just like that, unless there is a sutra in front of you. Bab, حدثنا إبراهيم بن المنذر قال حدثنا أبو ضمرة قال حدثنا موسى بن عقبة عن نافع أن عبد الله كان إذا دخل الكعبة when عبد الله بن عمر would enter the Kaaba, مشى he would walk قبل وجهه حين يدخل he would walk straight ahead when he entered. Qibla waji, the direction of his face, meaning he would walk straight ahead when he would enter. Waja'ala al-baba, and he would make the door, qibla zahrihi, towards his back, meaning he would have his back towards the door. Okay, so he would enter and walk straight ahead, and the door would be behind him. Famasha, so he would walk, hatta until yakuna baynahu wa bayna al-jidari alladhi qibla wajhi qariba min thalathati adhru'a. So he would walk until there would be between him and between the wall which was in front of him, how much distance? Qariban close to min salathati adrur. About three cubits. Then what would he do? Salah. He would pray. And yatawakhal makan alladhi. He would pray exactly at the place where alladhi akhbarahu bihi bilalun. The place which Bilal informed him that anna nabiya sallallahu alayhi wa sallam salah fihi. So he would choose to pray the exact same place. Yatawakha means seeking the place. So he would seek that very place, very spot where the Prophet ﷺ prayed. And how did he know that he prayed at that spot? Because Bilal told him. Qala, he said, وَلَيْسَ And he would say, وَلَيْسَ عَلَىٰ أَحَدِنَا بَأْسٌ And there is no sin on any of us in salla if he prays في أَيِّ In any nawahi corners of al-bayti, of the house, sha'a he will. Meaning there is no harm in anyone praying in any part of the house of Allah that he likes. Meaning it's not Mandatory to pray only here, in this spot? No. You can pray in any corner. You can face any direction. However, Ibn Umar did that. Why? Why? Because he wanted to follow the Prophet ﷺ. So, from these ahadith, what do we see? That it is permissible to pray between pillars. However, if a pillar is free, it's best to face it. Because it will be like a sutra for you. سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك نشهد أن لا إله إلا أنت نستغفرك ونتوب إليك السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته